snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture and writers in China and around the globe. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors, this is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong. Dear listeners, have you ever felt frustrated when opening the fridge and you don't know what to cook? Or maybe you felt stressed out when you need to get the dinner on the table as fast as possible. If so, then no worries, my fellow foodies, because this lady is ready to come to the rescue. My name is Zola Nene. I come from South Africa. I am on a daily morning show called Expresso Morning Show. Um, it's on a national channel, and I am the chef and the food stylist on the show. So I create different recipes every single day, and I get to share them with many, many people in the country and abroad. I just really enjoy the fact that I get to share my food passion every single day. I get to teach people that. Food can be fun and can be really simple, and everybody needs to eat. So I really believe that everyone should be able to cook. In her award-winning debut book, Simply Delicious, this celebrity chef not only assembles a great number of handy recipes, but also shares with the readers the snippets and the perspectives of her life's journey. My food philosophy is very simple: is that food is for everybody. So I create the recipes that everybody can recreate. During the recently concluded South African Food Festival in Beijing, our reporter Shi Yu spoke with Zola Nene about her book, her culinary career, and her trip to China. Let's take a listen. Zola, as far as I know, before you became a chef and a food stylist.、Mm-hmm. You studied law for two years. I mean, that is a huge transition、It、in、is. career paths. So, what fueled your change of direction? Well, you know, I as soon as I left school, you know, when you leave school, they say, "What do you want to do?" And because、yeah. I can talk a lot, which I'm sure you can tell, and be- <laughs> and because I argued with my family and my friends, I thought, "I know, I'm going to be a lawyer." Well. After two years of studying law, I realized that actually it's not really for me. You know, in my second year, I sort of called home and I said to my dad, "I was like, listen, I don't think I'm going to become a lawyer. It's not really for me." And he was like,、oh, "Okay, then don't do it. You don't have to do anything that makes you unhappy.、Mm-hmm. Come home and we'll talk about it." So it was just before my my second year exams. I didn't. He said, "Don't even write exams. Come home." So I packed my bags. I went home, and my dad said, "Okay, so tell me what you like to do." And I was like, "I really love to cook." And he was like,、oh, "Okay." So go overseas, go overseas, cook for a bit, and see if you really love it.、Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. He sent me overseas.、Um, I got to the UK. I was looking for a chef job.、Mm-hmm. I found a chef job in Cheshire, a little county in、um, the UK, close to Manchester. And、um, I worked my way up. So I started doing sort of menial jobs and watching other chefs cook. So I would peel the potatoes, and they would chop them and do amazing things with them. And then they could sort of see that I was really interested and I really wanted to learn. So they gave me more responsibility. I became in charge of a Section. I used to work alongside the head chef. I then, you know, I was in charge of the pastry section, and I was doing that for two years. And then after two years, I was like, okay, this is it. I really want to be a chef. I love it. I love cooking every day. I love, you know, experiencing food, playing with food, interacting with food, interacting with other people who love food. So yes, 
I definitely want to be a chef. Went back home, enrolled in a culinary institute, mm-hmm. studied for three years, specialized in food media, which is why I became a chef and a food stylist. Um, yeah, and then because of my media qualification, my food media, I went into magazine food styling, assisting. And then, um, so the people who created the morning show that I work on in South Africa were starting this TV show. They... Um, called me and said listen we'd love for you to come and do the food styling for the show and I was like oh this is brilliant because nothing like it had existed in South Africa at the time I was like oh this is cool it sounds like a challenge and that's what I did and I've been working on the show ever since but what happened when we decided to write a book (laughs) I mean that's a totally different change as well it is it is but you know I wanted to tell my food story because you know my food story just like everyone else's food story is very unique and the way that I interpret food and see food and enjoy food is very different and I think that people are interested in finding out what it is that made food such a huge part of my life so I thought of course, you know, if somebody's willing to to put it in a book, of course I'm going to, you know, it's a, it's a dream for for most foodie people or chefs to have a, a cookbook. But you never sort of start being a chef and think, I know, I'm going to have a cookbook. It's not a dream like that. It's just it's in the back of your mind. You're like, I really, you know, it would be nice to have a cookbook because um, I enjoy looking through cookbooks. So, you know, why not have my own? So, yeah, so my cookbook, Simply Delicious, is basically it chronicles my food journey from the beginning stages so what I used to eat as a child that my mom taught me how to cook or used to cook for me and that my grandmother used to cook for me traditional stuff that we used to eat as a family and things that mean you know that sort of molded me into the person that, that I've become um, and then all the different experiences so it starts in my childhood food and then you know the more as the older I got I met the more experiences I had travel influenced my food so there's a chapter on travel so um, yeah so all the different aspects that have made me the chef that I am today played a huge part in you know the type of food that I create to this day and you know I just mentioned that um, in my book Simply Delicious there's a travel chapter now that I'm in China in my next book there will definitely be a chapter on China and how it's influenced the chef that I will be in the future that would be so cool yes yes so hopefully i'll be back to talk more about my my other book in china <laughs> yeah that'd be cool because i realized one of the special touches about mm. this book is about the travel mm. you talk about india norway yes. thailand thailand and say, yeah oh that's interesting <laughs> it is i i think that it's tough to be a foodie and not love travel because that's where you sort of expand your knowledge you know learning about other people's culture and food influences sort of you know adds spice to your food and the type of way that you cook so I love traveling I'm very passionate about travel and whenever I I do travel I make sure that I do as many foodie experiences as possible so I'm not just you know I don't just go to a place to to shop or to um look at the sites I go to hone my skill so I'll meet up with chefs learn traditional dishes I mean here in China I'm going to go learn how to pull noodles by hand I mean I'm beyond excited I, I, I just I go crazy just thinking about it I'm going to learn from an expert how to make Chinese dumplings I'm going to go to a market and actually shop for traditional Chinese ingredients and create you know menus and recipes and I mean for me that that is what traveling is about it's about the food experiences and just learning more South Africa mm. is called as the rainbow nation yes. so it's a melting pot of different cultures and I when I flip through the pages of simply delicious yes. and I realize there are so many different 
influences absolutely i mean um, south africa as a as a country has been colonized by a number of different um empires or countries so we have a lot of cultural influences from outside also as a country we're very culturally diverse i mean we have 11 official languages and you can just imagine so that's what makes south african cuisine so unique is that it is so different you know so within the country we're a fusion cuisine which is what i think you know not many people understand what what um, south african food is and that's fine just come and try it come to south africa and taste it and you know to to pinpoint and define south african cuisine as one single cuisine is impossible the only way i can describe south african cuisine is it's multicultural it's multifaceted so i myself am zulu one of the many cultures in south africa uh, of course i enjoy cooking you know traditional zulu dumplings and i enjoy co- cooking um isinkwasembila which is cornbread which is one of the recipes in in my book i enjoy cooking amakwinya which is like fet cook as well but i also enjoy cooking kusisters which is a cape malay favorite i enjoy making you know durban curry which is a you know an Indi- indian type of dish so um i have so many influences and you know so many tastes that i can play with which is what makes south african food so magical it's the reason why i find it really amazing mm. about about this whole book because it's not the typical recipe book mm. because i can see the memory yes. like your personal experience your Absolutely. personal story intertwined with yes. that so in your opinion what's the relationship between food and memory oh well, food is led by memories and nostalgia i mean think about um you know the the first time you ever eat something you always remember that time it might be for a bad reason so you know the first time you ever ate an oyster it it was i don't know maybe disgusting and dribbled down your chin and you thought oh my goodness i could never do this again yeah. and that stays with you or it could be the first time you sort of ate an ice cream when you were 3 years old you remember that forever and you experience ice cream so differently because of that moment so i think nostalgia is so important and so um influential in yeah. um the way that you, the type of foodie that you become so yeah. i think it's great to to celebrate and also you know what your nostalgia can change for example if you know your first time you ate an oyster was bad it can be replaced by a really great memory so yeah. maybe the next time you tried oysters you were on a romantic date and then all of a sudden that becomes the romantic memory that you have around oysters and it it changes so that's what i love about food it's ever it's ever changing and it you know you experience it differently depending on your mood depending on on so many different um reasons yeah I think that's the reason why one of the chapters is called mm. nostalgic nibbles. Yes. Yeah, I think that's probably the reason why we have that chapter. Yes, yeah. But what is the most because you we're talking about how diverse mm. the local culinary culture in South Africa is. Mm. Is there any most nostalgic recipe for all the people living in? Well, um in South Africa as many cultures as we have, we do have a staple food mm-hmm. which is mealy meal. If I were to describe it, it's basically like semolina but corn corn yeah like corn flour but not as fine as corn starch ah. yeah so it's it's sort of the the texture of finer polenta Mm-hmm. if you will and that sort of strings through all the different cultures so we may we may eat it in very different ways but it's very prevalent in all the strings of culture so i know that i grew up eating it with soured milk for example um we also ate it for dinner time as it very dry krimel pop or uputu is what we call it in zulu and we eat it with cabbage stew and things like that we also eat it 
and a braai. So um, Afrikaans culture also eats pap, mm. is what everyone collectively calls mealy mealy meal. Um, you know, we eat it in, with a braai and chakalaka for some cultures. Um, some people, you know, make make um, drinks out of it. So it's the one sort of staple food that sort of runs throughout all the cultures. So is it included in this book? The mealy meal. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> There are so many recipes、mm. in this book. Is there any favorite one for you? <gasps> oh, you know, people always ask me that.、Yeah. It's like I always say, and I always answer it the same way. I'm going to tell you the same thing. It's like asking a parent who has many children <laughs> who their favorite child is. They're all special for a different reason. How do you feel like when you your debut book is being、mm. shown at least for this? Oscar. <laughs> well, I mean, not only was it shortlisted. First of all, when it was shortlisted, I was flabbergasted. I was so excited because, like I said before, it's a it's a personal story. So、yeah. for somebody, for people to connect with my personal story is just is more than I could ever ask for. But then to actually be awarded, you know, best cookbook in the world by a TV celebrity sh- female chef,、um, is. Fantastic. Well, not just female chef, TV celebrity chef、yeah. in English. I also received the TV award for best、um, female host. So it's just it's incredible, and it you know what it showed me? It showed me that that books open you up to the rest of the world. I'm not only speaking、um, to the South African public. I'm not only speaking for the South African public. I'm speaking for. The global network of foodies, you know, that's what I love about food. It, it unite unites everybody. We all have a common ground when it comes to food. Everyone has to eat. We all sit down at a table at the end of the day, and we all indulge, or you know, we all eat whatever for sustenance, for pleasure, for whatever. And it's one commonality amongst everybody in the world.、Yeah. So that's what I love about food, and I'm so grateful that my book is known in China. <laughs> <laughs> You have been here、mm. for South African Food Festival、Absolutely. in Beijing. So, what do you think you can bring to China this time?、Um, I think that I can just sort of enlighten people on what South Africa has to offer in terms of food, in terms of culture, in terms of cuisine in general. So, just give people sort of a, a look into what South Africa has. To offer the world, you know, like you said before, you know, everyone knows what you're talking about when you talk about Greek food.、Yeah. Everyone knows what you're talking about when you even talk about Chinese food. People know what to expect. They know、yes. what they're coming to sort of experience. Whereas,、uh, if you ask somebody, you know, what do you think you'll experience in in South Africa in terms of food? People will generally say to you, "Oh, I don't know, game meat." But but there's so you know there's so much more, which is、yeah. what I want to sort of talk to people about and sort of make them realize, so that they can come to South Africa and experience it, you know, at home with me. What's great is that I've taken very familiar South African、um, dishes like bubuti and turned them into recognizable things for Chinese people to eat, and but add the interest so that they go, oh, okay, I might not be able to、um, understand. Or, or be able to read or pronounce baburti, but I can. What's on my plate, I recognize, and sort of get them to open up to the flavor that is South Africa, so that they can go, oh, this is interesting. If I go to South Africa, I might try something like this. 
And then they'll go and visit South Africa. What do you expect to bring back home when you leave China? Oh my goodness, gosh. Um, I haven't even started eating all the things that I wanted, I've wanted to eat in China yet. But um, like I said, um, every time I travel, I try to gain as many food experiences as possible. So I'm definitely going to take all the, the different tastes and different sensations that I experience in China in terms of food, in terms of culture, in terms of all sorts of experiences and take them back home and teach somebody else about what I've learned because I think that sharing food knowledge is very important because not everyone gets the opportunity to travel like I do and I'm very aware of that um, but what I can do is um, make the most of my time in China learning um, honing skills experiencing other chefs um, listening to other chefs um, talking to people um, and then go home and share that story because knowledge is power and just because you haven't been to a place if you know about a place you're that much richer in terms of you know your your insight that was Shi Yu talking to South African celebrity chef Zola Nene the food stylist's debut book Simple Delicious scooped two prizes at the prestigious Gourmet World Cookbook Awards, commonly regarded as the Oscars of the culinary industry. Coming up, we introduce you to a quite distinctive book, which focuses on some wicked children. There is more to come. Stick around. Explore the life of great wordsmiths. Share their stories beyond the pages. Ink and Quill brings you the voices of writers and book lovers. You are listening to Ink and Quill with Yang Yong. David Williams may sound like an unassuming name, yet on British television, that is the name of a bona fide superstar. Best known for his judging role on the reality show Britain's Got Talent and his appearance in several BBC TV programs, the actor first rose to national fame due to his collaboration with a fellow comedian Matt Lucas in the multi-award-winning sketch show Little Britain. And you've nothing at all going to Lords. <laughs> Computer says no. But almost 10 years ago, this popular TV personality made a 180-degree turn by trying his hand at children's literature. I came from you know, creating comedy shows and writing comedy shows. Although I was writing scripts then, it is different, but it's, it's not miles away. You know, because I was creating characters, scenes, jokes, you know, lots of things that are in my books. I think you have to work harder writing books because the script is a kind of is a guide for the actors whereas the book is the finished product so it's you've got to be able to describe things a lot more vividly and also you've got more time to take people on a journey than you might in a comedy sketch mm. but it wasn't it wasn't the hardest transition it felt quite natural to me when i wrote the first book the boy in a dress i it did flowed you know, I'm not saying it's the greatest book, but it, I didn't struggle too much. I, you know, it felt right and natural to be writing it. But I suppose it's just getting your authorial voice. I think that's a big part of it is because it's really like you're sitting down with a child and telling them a story. So you've got to think, what, what is your voice as a, um, as a writer? How do you talk to these children? And what is it you really want to say? 
Nowadays, David Williams is recognized as one of the UK's most successful children's writers, entering the most read charts alongside J.K. Rowling and Michael Morpego. From the award-winning comedy fiction *Gangster Granny* to the short story collection *The World's Worst Children*, his books have sold over 70 million copies in 53 languages. When asked whether he finds writing for children testing, this comedian-turned-best-selling author replies, um, "When、well, I try and make it challenging, I mean, the first book was about a boy who went to school dressed as a girl, and I wrote that book ten years ago when." People were a lot less tolerant, I think, of that kind of thing. And all the, you know, a lot of books have a political dimension. Mrs. Think is about how you treat someone a lot less fortunate than yourself. So you know, it's a thing that's not political. And Vampire's、uh, Great Escape deals with Alzheimer's. So I try and deal with challenging subject matters, but I try and do it in a simple and direct way、mm. that means the children will understand it. Williams' writing is simple, direct. Rollicking, yet without losing the sentimental touch. His latest book, *The World's Worst Children* too, is no exception. Much like the first volume, the latest instalment of *The World's Worst Children* collects the stories of ten ghastly kids, the kind of repellent boys and girls you truly wish you could avoid at all cost. I think well-behaved ones probably wouldn't make a very interesting story. I think. Kids like to read about naughty kids in the main. In my novels, I generally have well-behaved children with you know, horrible adults, and I thought it would be really fun to、um, write a book of short stories, which I've never done before, and concentrate on really, really wicked ch- children and make them like morality tales. For example, there's a boy in the new collection of books called Spoiled Brad, and、uh, he wants it to be his birthday every day, and every day he demands more. And, and he ends up drowning in his own birthday cake. So it's a little—they're little cautionary tales for kids. David Williams let his imagination run wild this time. Besides Brad, we meet Humbert the Hungry Baby, who literally eats everything, including his own parents, and then become a King Kong-like creature. Then we wince at gruesome Griselda. Who likes to play tricks on everyone at school with her vast collection of creepy qualies, perfect for hiding caterpillars in her headmistress's knickers and filling the bathtub with worms. But just like William's other works, the world's worst children is not about disturbing behaviors and gross little things. The book is educational as well, rather than sermonizing to young readers. Moral lessons and words of wisdom are knitted into the fibre of the stories. Because I, I suppose when the stories at their best, they are teaching the children a lesson that、uh, you know you don't want to watch television all day or pick your nose all day or be fussy about food or whatever. So you know, I just try and make sure that the story is satisfying and it and it, and it kind of wraps up in a in a in a moral way. I mean, my hero Ronald Dahl was very good at that. But most stories, you know, fairy stories are、um, the teaching aids, aren't they? You know, because they're saying to children, "Don't go off into the woods on your own," or you may, you know, there may be a witch in the woods with a house made of sweets to try and tempt you. It's basically they are like lessons, aren't they? Because they're trying to tell you, you know, not to go off on your own. So it's it's everywhere in 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 children's stories, I think. 
To be honest, the flamboyant typography, scatological humor, and slightly rude jokes might gross out some adult readers, but who cares anyway? The children are the ones doing the reading. In the main, I'd just like to entertain children because I think it is enough to try and encourage children to read. And give them a book that they can find really fun, that they want to pick up on the road, that they're not told to read by a teacher or parents, and they'll just read purely for pleasure, because、mm. it gets them into reading. Once you start reading, you know, whatever you start reading, you often end up becoming a reader in, in adult life. So that's principal aim. But along the way, it would be good if they, you know, think about their own lives, and when their mum or dad is is、um, you know trying to get them to get off the sofa and stop watching TV or stop picking their nose or Stop taking pleasure in blowing off or whatever they're doing. They may think again because they may think about the、uh, the children in these stories and what happens to them. I like to make my books fun in the main. I mean that's the main aim of my books and to encourage kids to read for themselves, which I think is really important. That was British children's writer David Williams on his latest book, The World's Worst Children Too. On that note, it's time to wrap up today's program. Don't forget that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world, and we will keep you posted. To learn more about us, you can follow our Facebook account China Plus, or download our podcast by searching the keyword "Inconquil" on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host Yang Yong. See you next time.